Go forth, daughters of Zion, and see King Solomon, wearing the diadem with which his mother crowned him, making ready a cross for her Savior. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My intention was to print out the proffers for you in Latin and English, and my experience is always that when I really need something, number one, that is beneficial to the monastery or to the faithful, and number two, that I need it now, it never happens, because I believe, I, and I'm not joking, I believe that the devil sends little uh, demons into the machinery to make sure that it's not done. But I will not allow them to thwart me, so I will preach to you and explain the Proverbs. The Proverbs are extremely uh, These masses of the Passion are supposed to be uh, celebrated uh, during Lent. They are Lenten masses. However, it's not our custom to celebrate them in Lent, but rather to have them uh, when we can as votive masses throughout the rest of the year, especially on Fridays. It's a masterpiece in many ways, but it really shows in a very interesting way the way that the Church reads Scripture. The Church, as opposed to people in the Church, we always have to make a distinction. The Church of God is the pillar and ground of truth. The Church of God is the spotless bride of Christ. And then there are people in the Church. There are people in the Church who read Scripture as if it were a dead text and dissect it as if it were a dead body. The Church reads Scripture as a living thing and as a treasure trove with which to bring out things new and old, as our Lord says. The Scripture is a thesaurus. Thesaurus, of course, in Latin means treasure. And the Church can take Scriptures as she pleases and apply them as she pleases. The higher critics and the scholars will often say, uh, you can't do that, that's not what it's saying, that's not what it says in its proper context. When the Song of Songs, chapter 3, verse 11, talks about the daughters of Zion going forth to see King Solomon with, with the crown his mother gave him, it's not talking about the crown of thorns, what are you, what are you doing? And then, you know, uh, is this the best text? Is it the most accurate? Is it the most up-to-date with the scholarship? The Church does not waste its time with these things. Well, I shouldn't say it's a waste of time. It's a perfectly good thing to scientifically study the Bible. But this is not how the Church reads the Bible and gives it to the faithful as living bread in the liturgy. The Church... As St. Paul tells Timothy, says that the scriptures are useful for salvation. Useful for salvation. Which means the church can use them for the salvation of souls in any way that she likes, of course, provided 
that it is consonant with the perennial faith of the Church, the tradition of the Apostles, passed down and confessed in every generation. Within that boundary, the boundary of tradition, you can apply any scripture to anything as long as it is orthodox. You can see it from many different perspectives. So, this introit, the church says, let us take this image. Zion is always the church. Solomon, the son of David, is always Christ. And the diadem with which Solomon is crowned is the crown of thorns. He is crowned by his mother. What does this mean? Does it mean our lady crowned him with thorns? No. In this context, mother, I will submit, is being uh, uh, presented as an image of Christ's own people to whom he came, as we say in the last gospel, he came unto his own and his own received him not. We have a taste of this on Good Friday, more than a taste of this on Good Friday, in the improperia, or the so-called reproaches, which are sung in the voice of our Lord, our Lord saying, I brought you out of Egypt, I brought you through the Red Sea, I got you safe through the desert, I fed you, I did everything for you, and now you're giving me a cross. And now you're giving me a crown of thorns. What have I done? What have I done to deserve this? I did all of these things for you. So, the mother here is, I believe, the, 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 the nation, the Jewish people, those who did not believe, because as we know, many Jews did believe. Many Jews did believe. But those who did not, and turned against our Lord, the image here is that the mother, his mother, the, the, the country, the, the, the people that birthed him, are now offering him a crown of thorns. And then it says, Parans crucem salvatori suo, making ready a cross for her Savior. The verse is from Psalm 8. Thou hast placed him only a little below the angels, crowning him with glory and honor, and bidding him rule over the works of thy hands. Christ was placed, even though he's God, he's high of the angels, but by reason of his humanity, being made in the image of the slave, of each one of us, he's made lower than the angels, but why is he made lower than the angels? So that we with him in our humanity can be crowned with glory and honor and rule with him over the works of his hands. So that's the paradox, that we have to go down with him in his sacred humanity, that we may be crowned with him and be raised above all of creation. So that's the intro. The, um, the lesson that we, for the epistle uh, is from the same Canticles 3, uh, it talks about the bed whereon King Solomon lies. As we know, this is a, 
the Song of Songs is a, is a love poem, um, and a rather, uh, it can be very descriptive of, of the marital embrace. Uh, and this is talking about Solomon, uh, it's talking to the bride, and it says, see where King Solomon lies. This is a description of a wedding night. And I don't have to tell you what happens on a wedding night. But it says that the bed whereon King Solomon lies, with sixty warriors to guard him, none braver in Israel. The church speaks of the cross as the bed, the marital bed of Christ, whereon Christ and the church consummated their intimate union. Sixty warriors to guard him. These are the angels. The angels did not obviously fight. Our Lord says, if I wanted to, I could have legions and legions and legions of angels. He didn't. And so his, his guard, his guard of honor, stood watch by the cross. You see in the iconography often, the angels are, are weeping, they're surrounding the cross, and weeping with our, our Lady and with St. John and with the other women. So we have Christ on the bed of the cross, sleeping the sleep of death, surrounded by his guard, his angels, none braver, but holding back because they know that this is the will of God. Swordsmen trained for battle, each with his sword heard about him against the perils of the night. Of course, our Lord submitted to all of these things for us. A litter King Solomon would have of Lebanon wood wood. A golden frame it must have on silver props with cushions of purple. All of these things I think I could spend a whole day maybe thinking about what this means. I mean obviously the wood, whenever you see wood in scripture especially in the Old Testament you are to be thinking of the cross. A golden frame on silver props with cushions of purple. And so this instrument of, of, of horror, of death, of torture, has now become this glittering, precious jewel surrounded by, by gold and silver and placed on, on cushions of purple. Within were pictured love tales for your pleasure, maidens of Jerusalem. Media caritate con Christavi proper filias Jerusalem. The cross is the great love song, the great love story of history. And then we have again the what uh, we sang in the intro today. Uh, Go out, uh, maidens of Zion, virgins of Zion, and see King Solomon wearing that crown that was his mother's gift to him on the day of triumph, on the day of his betrothal. And then, how fair thou art, my true love, how fair. It's almost as if we now turn to Our Lady standing by the cross, weeping. How fair thou art, my true love. Quam pulcra es. Your eyes are soft as a dove's eyes, half seen behind thy veil. 
Venture forth from Lebanon, my bride, my queen that shall be. It's very beautiful. The gradual continues this, this imagery of the golden crown, the instrument of, of torture and of cruelty and of pain, now becomes the crown of gold. Sign of the emblems of holiness, of glory and honor, and the might of his deeds. Psalm 20. With abundant blessing thou hast met him on his way, thou hast set a jeweled crown upon his head. We sing this for martyrs. The martyrs are the crowned ones. Stephen, the first martyr, his name means the crowned one. So the Lord is the king of martyrs, and his crown of thorns is the sign of his kingly martyr. The Alleluia, which we sung today from Isaiah 28. A crown of tribulation blossomed into a crown of glory and a garland of joy. That needs no commentary. It's the it's the theme of this Mass. The crown of tribulation becomes, the cross becomes the thing of glory, the thing from which our Lord reigns. The Gospel is straightforward. Pilate scourges Jesus. The soldiers mocking him put on his head the crown of thorns and dress him in a scarlet cloak. They say, Hail, King of the Jews, mockingly, and strike him in the face. And then Jesus comes out wearing the crown of thorns and the scarlet cloak, and it's not in the text, but Pilate says, Ecce homo, behold the man. Behold the man made lower than the angels, to be crowned with glory and honor. Offertory is not from the scriptures, it's from a uh, the, the church. Uh, it was composed by Poet, Lord, we adore thy crown, we commemorate thy glorious passion. Finally, the communion. Rejoice, mother, for the Lord shall set more graces on thy head and shall crown thee with a glorious crown. So we turn once again to our blessed lady. At the, at the cross, weeping in a way that no mother has wept before, we tell her to rejoice, for the Lord shall set more graces on thy head, and shall crown thee with a glorious crown. This is in some way a prophecy of the, this is from Proverbs, by the way, Proverbs 4. In some way this is a prophecy of the coronation of our lady, which is the last mystery of the rosary. Our lady passes through penalty that we almost pay, the penalty of, of the tomb. But she rises again like her son. She's assumed into heaven like her son is ascended into heaven. And she's crowned with a glorious crown because she stood by the cross of her son. And as we know, we call her the mediatrix of all graces and the co-redemptrix. Because, not because these things come from her, but because she participated perfectly in the cross of her son 
according to the prophecy of Simeon, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. And so there's so much in this Mass to, to, to think about, to, uh, to contemplate. I wish I could send you home with the text, but perhaps the images will stay with you. The, the crown of thorns becomes the crown of gold, the crown encrusted with the most precious jewels. And that's a lesson for life. That's the lesson of life is that the, one of the mottos of the Benedictine order is Pax inter spinas, peace among thorns. And in fact, we see that it's a logo sometimes, the crown of thorns and the word Pax, peace. And that is the Christian life. Peace among thorns. We cannot get to the peace, to the glory, without passing through the thorns. And to think that we can is, is delusion. This is what the church wants. But this is what the world wants. The world wants to get to the glory without the cross, without the crown of thorns. And of course, our Lord, the God of all, the Most High God, shows differently in His sacred humanity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.